people just like you have taken the brave step to do this thing we call work differently. They tell their self-unlimited story to inspire and encourage you. Another story begins now. Today, we're going to have a fascinating conversation with Maria. Welcome, Maria. Hi, Helen. Thank you for having me. The conversation is about being in those spaces of limbo or being adrift. Many of us work in organizations, and that's a wonderful thing when you're employed. But when you're not employed or when you're looking for a work, that can feel many emotions. I'm not even going to name what they are. I think there are many emotions to be felt. And being in that limbo space can be a bit difficult to navigate. Maria has had some experience in this and she was sharing some of that with me and I said please come on a podcast and tell us more. So let me throw it over to you Maria. Maybe you can give us a little bit of context of why you were in this state and drift between two organizations or being employed and, and go from there. Okay thank you Helen. So I wasn't in between two organizations. I was actually in between two countries. Uh, so I recently moved to Australia. One of the things that I started doing when I arrived uh, was to look for jobs. And I found that it wasn't as easier as I had thought of. Mm -hmm. And uh, on top of that, I started looking for a job when the COVID pandemic started. So that made the journey a little bit more difficult uh, than it usually is. And also, this was my first experience of being looking for a job. When I was living in Colombia, I was very lucky to find jobs through contacts. So the actual work of looking for a job wasn't in my experience. So it was very new to me, the whole experience. So yeah, it was, it was as you mentioned, it was very emotional, to say the least. What kind of emotions? <laughs> Everything, like from very, very positive, very optimistic, very having a lot of expectations from a phone call to very, being very, very, very frustrated with all the rejection letters that I started getting, to thinking that your phone isn't working because you haven't received a call in a couple of days, to refresh your Gmail account every two seconds to see if something has happened, like everything, uh, to not wanting to get out uh, from bed uh, on some days, to not wanting to talk to anyone. I, I felt all the emotions. Right. Um, yes. I mentioned at the beginning, I had a couple of leads from the start and I was very optimistic. Uh, I was going through a process there. Uh, and then March came and COVID came and a lot of processes were put on hold. And I think from mid-March to end of April, it was a very, very dark time for me. I had moved to a new country uh, full of expectations and full of bright plans and traveling plans and meeting people, new people plans that were shut down uh, because of lockdown. So I was actually going through different emotional process at the same time. Mm. And I should mention that when I came here, I didn't want to think or to get, give credit to the importance of networking. So <laughs> I convinced myself that by applying to a lot of jobs that were advertised online was going to be the best strategy for me to find a job. 
So when you say a lot of jobs, you mean like maybe there were 30 jobs and you applied for all 30 jobs at the same time? Yeah. So my my initial strategy was quantity instead of quality. So the jobs that were advertised, like, for example, change manager, change analyst, change lead, senior change manager, all the roles that had change manager in the title, I would apply. I should mention that back in Colombia, the role of change manager applies to everyone working in change management. Right. I came to learn here that there are very different roles and levels. So a change analyst is not the same as a change lead and their levels of seniority. So of course, my CV wasn't going through the softwares for jobs like change lead because Mm. I didn't have the experience. I didn't have the years of experience. So I didn't know that. So I instead started applying to as many jobs as I could. That was a bad strategy, mostly because I started getting a lot of rejection letters and Mm. rejection emails. So every time I would open an email with a no, my motivation would go down a lot, like very down. So there were days that I would get three or four rejection letters. So by the end of the day, I was very demotivated and very frustrated and my self-confidence was down to zero Mm. or minus 100. Right. (laughs) I was, I was like, I, I thought that my experience, my Colombian experience wasn't enough. And one other thing that you start getting is that Australia is a, a, a country that is open to migrant professionals mm-hmm. and the government advertises that and the, the process is very open to, to professionals from uh, abroad. But once you get to the market and you start applying for jobs, the Australian or the local experience thing is a blocker. So it's very frustrating to arrive to a country that is open for my, to migrants and professionals from other countries, but the industry or, or the market is not as ready for it as you might think. So I started getting a lot of rejection letters, which in consequence made my motivation levels drop, mm. and my positive emotions to be replaced, but very negative emotions. So that was a very dark time for me. So if I could go back and do this thing again, I would focus on quality instead of quantity. That is good for many things. The first is that you focus on the meaningful jobs or the meaningful roles that you really, really want to get. Yes. And allows you time to write a meaningful cover letter if you need one or go through the process in a more meaningful way. And I imagine that feels good then to actually do that. Yes, exactly. And also it mitigates the fact of you getting a lot of rejection letters that would make you very frustrated. So if you apply to those quality roles, the chances are that you will get through the process, maybe a phone call or maybe a callback. Uh, instead of getting rejection after re- rejection. So you feel because, like making some progress then. Yes, exactly. The softwares that read the CVs, you, your CVs is not even read by a human being in, in organizations, in big organizations. They have these softwares that go through your CV and decide whether you are a fit or not. So 
if you start applying to many jobs you you will get a lot of rejection letters from robots telling mm. you that you you're not a fit for that role well then how does that feel to be told by a robot that you're no good uh, <laughs> yeah it's 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 not a good thing I, I can tell you yeah so that was i would say the first couple of months when i started looking for a job here in australia so a couple um, of months it's quite a long time then yeah. to be in that state yes it was it was hard then I realized that I was going through a vicious cycle of feeling rejected, getting rejected, feeling more rejected, and that wasn't working for me. And I realized that I wasn't going to be able to do it on my own. And I reached out to a professional coach, a career coach, and she was very helpful because not only she has been working on this for many years, so she has experience working with someone and having deadlines and having someone to be accountable to was very useful for me because I felt like I had a deadline and I had to get something back to her and I had to improve or change my CV in some way. So I had actually tasks to perform. And a routine, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. One of the things about work, when we are in work, is we have a moment where we get up and we do things. And when you don't have that, it's some people think, well, you've got the whole day for yourself. Wonderful. Yeah, and the goal or the task of finding a job is Mm -hmm. very, very broad and Mm -hmm. very abstract. So when the end of the day arrives and you didn't find the job, you feel very frustrated. Mm -hmm. But if you have like a small tasks, or a small goals to achieve every day, you feel like you have accomplished something through mm. the day. So one of the things that she shared with me was a strategy to connect with people mm-hmm. in my industry, to reach out to them and to connect with them in a meaningful way from a curious point of view, instead of a, hi, I'm looking for a job. Mm. And she would say like, connect with seven people a day, put right. yourself that goal to send a LinkedIn connection message to seven people today. If they accept your message, then tomorrow you'll send a more lengthy email to them and you get it from there. So Mm. when I started looking at this task of looking for a job in smaller tasks was Mm. much better for me because it gave me the sense of accomplishment that I wasn't getting through me sending a lot of CVs and applying to a lot of jobs that perhaps weren't a fit for me. And I imagine there's a vicious cycle that happens there positively, because I know myself, if I'm not in the greatest frame of mind and I'm feeling dark, that's not the moment when I can write a good cover letter or something. Yeah, yeah. So other things that I've learned through the process is that, and maybe it connects to what I was talking before, is that you can't be too hard on yourself. I am a very self-reflect, I I am too hard on myself. And when I don't accomplish something, I start looking for all the reasons why I didn't do it or why I couldn't do it. So I would be too hard on myself on my English, for example, thinking about interviews and how I could have said that thing differently or in a better way or how I, I was nervous during a a phone interview on how I wasn't able to to say what I wanted to say so I would go through those conversations over and over again Mm. and relieve those conversations uh, that was too hard and what would you do to change that 
I think that when I started getting to those meaningful conversations with the people I was reaching out to, I started feeling more confident. And you have to allow yourself time to practice. So I would have mock interviews with my brother or my sister-in-law because it's there's no way that on your first phone call interview in English in a country that you have just moved to, it's going to be great. Mm. It's, it's not. It, and it wasn't. It was the worst <laughs> phone call interview that I've had uh, in my life. And I imagine that felt a bit strange because it, you're a grown woman who's done calls on the phone before, but in Spanish maybe, and yeah. therefore that's not a problem. But when you change the context, something that you take for granted, thinking, I'm an adult, I have this skill, I should be able to do exactly. this. Exactly. And you, like the pressure on those phone calls is like you have five minutes to convince that person that you're worth of having a callback or, or mm-hmm. having a face-to-face interview. So there's a lot of pressure on that. So something that I started doing was to try to not put that pressure on me, try to go through each connection point that I had with recruiters or organizations as the only one and trying not to think in the future, like what would happen in the future. Of course, that's easier said than done. Because what you're saying there is almost being about present, being present in the exactly. moment. Even, I imagine that's a challenge there because as you're saying, in your present moment, some of that was a bit dark. And, and, and so sometimes I know for myself, I'm the person who does look to the future and it's kind of like I let the future pull me. And, and mm-hmm. my husband says to me, the reason you're down right now is you have nothing in the future that you're looking forward to, exactly. to kind of do that. And so that for me means a different kind of strategy of what it is to be in the present. Yeah, but for example... Going back to being present, I started doing meditations before interviews. I would repeat to myself, I'm enough, my experience is enough. If they are calling me back, it's because they are interested in what I have to say. And I would also prepare for the interview beforehand. And one of the things that I learned that is actually different from Colombia is that when you go to an interview, interviewers expect you to ask questions and to show that you are interested in the role or your responsibilities or the organization culture or things about relationships with uh, your teammates. So I would write questions to ask at some point. And the other thing was that the coach changed my point of view about interviews in the sense that I'm also interviewing the organization. I'm also looking for feeding with that potential employer or that potential organization that I will work for. So I tried to put myself in a, in a position in which I wasn't in the spotlight. I was in a conversation. Yeah. And I feel that here in Australia, interviews are all like, of course, are stressful, but it's more a conversation or at least I felt it that way. For me, that's about having an equal power dynamic. I'm not here like, please give me a job, please give me a job. Because I think for some people, when they are in this state of limbo, it almost gets to the point of desperation. I will only be valuable and worthwhile when an organization employs me. So you're kind of trying hard to pretend that you're not desperate, but at the same time, whereas if you can kind of move to a point like, I'm equally deciding whether you deserve me as well as you deserve. Yeah. Yeah, I deserve you. (laughs) Yeah. And... I think the organization uh, I am working on right now, it's a very good fit. So I was very, very fortunate to to land a job there. And I'm very happy with that. 
and I connected with them instantly and I felt that connection with the first person that interviewed me through the phone and my now leader she we had an interview through zoom and that's another thing like the digital virtual interviews it's also difficult because now you have to be aware of the background and what if my brother had to go to the kitchen or my nephew like there were a lot of things going on that you have to be very mindful of and the other thing is that I would dress for the occasion to put myself in the mindset of of being in an interview and I would put makeup on and act like as if I was going to the organization Mm. office for the interview. Mm. You raise a good point there about because often people have that feeling like clothes clothing gives me a feeling that I am in the workforce because Mm -hmm. I know for myself I've got suits in my wardrobe that haven't been worn for a long time now and I look and think well, I ever get back into a suit again. I feel like I'm a work person when I'm in mm-hmm. a suit or in, in some work-like clothes. But when you're in that limbo space and it's like, well, who cares what I wear? I can yeah. be in my pajamas. Was there anything that you were doing more consciously around how you were being in a space or, or you know, even we talked a little bit about routine, but were there other elements that helped you kind of be present or get in yeah. that space? So I think when you're looking for a job that turns into your job, and it can be so it's your job to find a job yes exactly and then it can take over your whole time mm. like at some point I would I, I remember being in my bed before going to sleep like looking for jobs or waking up in the middle of the night like not having a routine and, and doing that the whole day while I was awake so one of the things that I, I also started doing was doing things that made me happy So I would have time to spend with my nephew or I would get time to go to the beach, which is something that is also new to me. It's the first time that I live in a city that has a beach like very near to go to the beach in Colombia. You have to to take a one hour flight or in in Bogota where I, I was living. Right. So I would go to the beach. I would spend time with my nephew. I would read. I would watch Netflix if I wanted to. So trying not to spend my waking hours looking for a job and actually allowing for some time to do yeah. things that I actually wanted to do or made me happy. That sounds and like that, you're being kind to yourself. Exactly. I, I was doing that. Yeah. Because I guess sometimes people think that, you know, like if you need to get a job, it's like every waking moment should be for that. And if you are resting, then it's guilty because really the most important thing right now is getting a job. Exactly, exactly. So I would I would cook. I found out that I enjoyed cooking. So I would cook and and we started a cooking competition with my brother and sister in law. So that was also fun. Oh, so yeah, yeah I, I, I allowed myself to have happy moments hmm? and distractions. And if I wanted to watch three consecutive episodes of the series I was watching at the time, I would. Good for um, And if I wanted to have a nap in the middle of the day, I would. Yep. Uh, not every day, but yep. some days. In, in relation to that, I think that you have to allow all the emotions to, to be out. So if you're happy, be happy. If you're sad, allow yourself to be sad. Allow yourself to be frustrated. Because if you don't let those emotions out when they are there, they, mm-hmm. they start accumulating and Mm. then it comes a day in which you explode and you don't want that also 
Other things that I started saying to myself were that this is temporary. Mm-hmm. This will end at some point. I will find a job at some point. Maybe not next week. Maybe not as fast as I wanted to or as fast as I expected to. I would tell myself that. Yeah, and asking for help, I think. Were there particular people that you asked help with? So you mentioned about the coach and you mentioned the role that your brother and your sister-in-law played. Were there other people that you were able to bring into the circle who could help you in this time? And maybe some people that you avoided, because sometimes that's the thing that, that we can be easy to forget is that there are some people who want to get so kind of bossy and organize you. It's like, that's not what I need. Go away. Yeah. Yeah, for example, my brother was a bit of that father figure of you, and because he had been through that, he was like, you have to do this, and this is how you do it. Yep. And I was like, please, like, I need to do this on my own terms. Yep. So thank you for all your advice. Yep. Thank you for your feedback, your insights, but please allow me to go through this process on my own. Siblings uh, can be a bit of a challenge that way, can't they? Yeah. <laughs> you love so, me, I get that, but give me space. <laughs> exactly. So... That's true. If you want to reach out to people, perhaps be upfront of what you're looking from them. Sometimes I would call a friend back in Colombia and I will like, just let me say everything I need to say yeah. because like, and she would and, and listen. don't offer any solution. Yeah, exactly. just want to let it out. She, she, she would listen sometimes like, yeah, I don't know if it's superstition or something, but if, if I had a phone call or an email, I wouldn't tell people right away because that, that, gives you more pressure like you back from this or did you like I would hold that information for myself for a little bit because I know everyone would do it in a very nice way but people asking like how how the interview went and it didn't go well like don't stop asking and now I have to live through it again by telling (laughs) you it didn't go well exactly through this career coach I also started reaching out to people that were in the same situation as me Mm. And I think that gives you a sense of perspective. Yes. Knowing that you're not alone in that, Mm. in the process. Knowing that there are other people in that same position as you. Mm. And knowing that that people can provide support, like emotional support. Like, yeah, I had a very rough day myself. So, yeah, let's let's be sad. (laughs) And, and let's then, be sad together and let's exactly. really be sad together, not exactly. cheer each other. Let's really be exactly. sad. <laughs> but also they would provide insights like, hey, I tried this, that worked. Maybe mm-hmm. you could try it yourself. Or, hey, I tried this and it didn't work. Yeah. I reached out to this person and it didn't work. So having your, again, your, your cheer squad, like having your own squad of people that are going through the same situation yeah. can provide support. And I think, too, when you've got people who are in the same situation news giving advice, it's somehow more palatable, more easier to hear, because it's like, you were trying this with me as well. You're down here in the arena getting muddied and dirty, whereas sometimes you have people who are, Brene Brown talks about it, sitting in the arena like critics Mm -hmm. watching, and it's like, well, you've got, you're not down here. You're not, you know, getting dirty. You're just sitting up there in the cheap seats telling me what I should do. You know, I'm not listening to you. It's, yeah, it's sometimes hard people providing advice that you're you're not wanting or you're mm. not looking for or giving that advice from a advantage point mm. or perspective like I've been there do this or yeah. do that like yeah but my experience is different so it's good to have advice it's good to to have people telling you their experience but I think that 
it could set different expectations thinking that because it went for them that way it should go your that way for you mm. and that usually doesn't happen so i would for example with my brother i would compare myself to my brother experience quite often mm. without actually knowing how the actual experience was mm. for him yes but looking at his experience through the successes, through the, the accomplishments at the yeah. end. So I was like, yeah, he, he was able to find a job in this amount of time. Yes. But I don't know the details. I, I don't yeah. know how his experience was in and his usually, head. And usually those stories are told with all the highlights, not the exactly. lowlights. Yeah, exactly. So there's a point where you can listen thinking, so this person just kind of smooth sailed through that. No yeah. lowlights whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. So it's knowing that you're going to, get high points and very low points and allowing both celebrating when you want to celebrate so if you get a call back and you want to have a drink in the afternoon to celebrate that please do yeah don't Uh, care about the time (laughs) exactly I think those small wins are also important to celebrate even if if they don't get you the job they will definitely boost your motivation and your sense of getting somewhere There's been so amazing tips in there and suggestions. Is there something where you look back and think, if I had my time to do it differently, was there one thing that I think I could have done differently that might have made a big difference? Definitely the sending a lot of CVs and applying for a lot of jobs without thinking through if I was a fit or if it was something that I really wanted to do or without researching the organization first, because that gave me a sense of accomplishment, but it it wasn't real because I felt like I was sending a lot of CVs and and I I was doing my part, but I wasn't actually. Uh, I was wasting my energy in things that had very low chances of happening. And very risky in terms of what you said, because of it, it generated a lot of rejection. And I was risking my own self self-esteem in English yeah yeah Yeah. because I was getting frustrated and I was getting sad and I was getting a a lot of rejections letters that yeah they they were accurate but they didn't help You've provided some wonderful um, insights there into what that dark period might look like. And, and I'm really appreciative of the notion that you were bringing in there about the many emotions and feel them all and be with them all. And I think a great note to close on is that be kind to yourself. Yeah, yeah, definitely be kind to yourself. Because if, if you don't take care of yourself, no one will. Not your family or not the recruiter or the organization you just you can't put your emotions to them like how you manage your emotions you can put the responsibility out there to external forces you have to take care of them yourself wonderful thank you so much maria thank you helen workscapes are changing everywhere for more goodness to change your workscape visit www.beselfunlimited.com and follow us on twitter at beselfunlimited